You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. Joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. This is our TGIF episode, which unfortunately we we are not Friday yet uh, as we record this, but uh, um, I'm excited for the weekend. I hope you are too. Uh, I, I think we'll get to the massive news of the Bucks using their last roster spot for now on Dragan Bender, the Croatian former number four overall pick who uh, spent the last couple of years wandering aimlessly through the desert uh, in Phoenix. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I, 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 we keep thinking maybe there's an end to Bucks news for a while and then a little thing kind of pops up. <laughs> um, but uh, we'll see if this is now the kind of end of it. We thought it'd be a safe time to do a mailbag because we thought we were kind of done with news, but um, you know, we might be done with the news, but the news is not done with us. I, I forgot who said it on my timeline. It was someone that's like not from Milwaukee or like Bucks Twitter. But when the Dragon Bender news broke, uh, they were like, "Do the Bucks just have unlimited roster spots? Like, what happened? How how are they still signing?" <laughs> and I like I did kind of find it funny because I was like, "Yeah, it does kind of feel like that." I put, obviously, they signed a couple of guys that you know were somewhat useful in two ways and still had that last roster spot left. So I, I thought that was a pretty funny comment because it, it did. I mean, I think it has felt like that at times uh, this offseason. So uh, with that being said, we're going to get into the mailbag. We have three questions here that all would have been uh, interesting to ask last night. Uh, they are not interesting to ask anymore, uh, but that's okay. That'll allow us to talk a little bit about Bender. Uh, Joshua DeMars had emailed in asking about uh, the idea of J.R. Smith in the final roster spot. Uh, Dustin Sontag uh, had asked about um, Pau Gas- let's see, Pau Gasol or Zaza Pachulia uh, for that final roster spot. And Eric Sierra asked, isn't John Lewis still on the roster making it stand at 15? You guys have discussed waving slash stretching him, but would it make sense to keep him to use as a human trade exception? Um, so we'll start with Eric's question. No, the Bucks have waived him. And to do the things that they needed to do, um, would also have stretched him as well. Um, I, I don't think John Horst has officially said that on the record. I think that's more assumed than anything. I can't. Well, y'all, I don't think it was ta- confirmed. Oh, you're talking about whether he was actually stretched or just uh, like because basically, we yes, either, yeah, like obviously he was waived. Right, right, yeah. I mean, officially he has been waived. Like that's in the NBA transaction wire. You can go find that. It was like uh, a couple weeks ago, right? Because they had, as you said, they had to. Uh, stretch him uh, in order to be able to sign uh, Brooke Lopez and George Hill to the contracts that they got. So there was no real way to kind of do what the Bucks have done absent either that or some other move, which obviously there hasn't, you know, 
Ursan Ilyasova wasn't secretly traded for into cap, somebody's cap space, obviously. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it, it had yeah. to happen in order to kind of facilitate these other moves. Um, he is gone. Um, I, I think, you know, again, like, was there some universe where it could have made sense to keep John Lohr? Uh, and I think it's not, not unreasonable to talk about, you know, like the human trade exception idea. I mean, sure, as an expiring contract, not exactly a trade exception, obviously. Um, you know, teams would rather, uh, you know, trade for a trade exception than John Lohr at this point, because I don't think anybody wants to carry John Lohr and actually have to pay him uh, money and use up a roster spot. But yes. um, but yeah, I mean, certainly expiring contracts can be useful in terms of making salaries match if you want them to do a bigger trade. And, um, you know, we'll see Ursan's kind of the, the obvious guy in that spot now. Um, but yes, John Lohr is, is gone, kind of, you know, again, due to a lack of other moves, uh, that was the thing that that enabled some of the other signings. So uh, he's gone. And um, interestingly, I, I think you know we'll talk about Bender in a moment. I mean, um, certainly with the other moves as well. I mean, there there is a pretty big logjam of big men on this roster anyway. So um, I think especially given what's happened with some of the other moves, I mean, you really don't need John John Lohr at this point. We'll talk about Dragon Bender. He was obviously a flyer. I'd say that was a that was definitely not a, a, a positional need move what the Bucks did. That was more of a here's a young guy who's interesting and let's take a flyer on him type move. But um but yes, John Lohr fared you well. Uh your uh I guess third stay in Wisconsin was uh was uh, a very, very short one. Um all right. So obviously J.R. Smith was someone that's mentioned Zaza Petrulia, Pau Gasol someone that was mentioned obviously Pau went somewhere else as well. Um but I, I guess the before even getting into Bender and, you know, the idea of him as like a low risk kind of flyer, I, I think one of the things that we've discussed today between just you and I is, um, you know, kind of how the Bucks try to work the backup point guard position. And I know you had mentioned last night that you thought that that was definitely something that you were maybe a little bit uncomfortable with that you wanted, you know, like a different point guard to make sure that the, the roster had a third point guard. I kind of leaned on the side of, well, that's Frank Mason, the third, if you need him, you can use up those 45 days and and kind of do that. But if you do use up those 45 days, at some point you're going to need a roster spot to kind of try to go get him with the NASA's having two years guaranteed, uh, you know, the the person that you might have to, you know, kind of end up getting rid of would be would be Bender. Like that that would be the spot that you'd have to go out and do that because I mean, I don't know what else on the roster you're gonna you're gonna cut loose. So I I guess what do you think of just kind of the the overlap of a bunch of bigs with the addition of Bender and the fact that your lottery ticket and again like it's it is uh the the odds are very much stacked against bender being you know a really uh solid contributor at this point but you know how do you feel about kind of that it's a big that they end up taking a chance on yeah i mean uh you know interestingly on the same day the bucks pick up bender the sixers are reportedly going to sign trey burke to a one-year deal i mean i historically have not been a huge trey burke fan but he actually like was surprisingly solid playing for a bad Knicks team uh, last year. And uh, I, I would say if you had told me, you know, today, like the Bucks signed Trey Burke, I'd have been like, oh, good. That kind of, you know, gives you that that breaking case of emergency 
point guard at the at the end of the bench. And uh, you know, again, he can shoot a little bit. Um, has been a little bit better offensively in the last year than I think during his kind of underwhelming uh, NBA tenure to date. So uh, defensively limited for sure. But um, yeah, you know, again, kind of in that Tim Frazier role, uh, which is interesting because you know, I mean. The Bucks only signed Tim Frazier after Brogdon went down last year, so um, you know they they never carried really Hill, Bledsoe, Brogdon, and Frazier or some other point guard. I mean, they never carried like four point guards really last year. Um, but yeah, I'd say having three is generally a, a decent idea. So as you said, um, I think the de facto assumption here, I guess, is that Frank Mason is, is going to be that guy. Um, and as we were saying, like I don't think Frank Mason is going to play much. Um, but I am curious. We've seen the Bucks in the past. Um, I'm thinking back to like the Gary Payton <laughs> experiment, um, where they just sort of were like, "All right, you know what? You're on a uh, you're on a two way, but we're just going to like basically keep you up with the big club like all the time." And it is and, notable at the start of the year, there will be days that he can just be up that won't count because the G League season starts later. Right, right. At the beginning of the season, at the end of the season, uh, you know, you're only on the clock when the G League season is happening. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I, I'm curious, like, are they going to be really like miserly with those Frank Mason, uh, days, you know, are they going to try to only have him with the bucks when, uh, you know, when, when they're actually, uh, in, you know, having some sort of injury issue at the point, um, which again, I mean, George Hill has definitely had his share of injuries the past few years. Um, Eric Bledsoe has, has, knock on wood, fortunately been quite healthy since coming to Milwaukee, but you know, you never know. So I, that thing, that's, that'll be an interesting thing to watch. I mean, the Bucks are so deep that it seems like kind of a waste to have, you know, again, like who knows what happens, uh, a rash of injuries can hit at any time. But, um, you know, I guess my presumption is that they're probably just going to play two point guards most nights. Um, Mason probably will, I guess, probably be in the G league a lot. And, uh, you know, if you had, if you had 14 spots, then you could have easily, kind of just said, all right, Frank Mason, like you're going to be with the big club a lot and we're going to see what you've got. And if you're good, then yeah, we can convert you to a full roster spot if we want to make you kind of the third point guard, or obviously they could then just cut him loose and sign another two way or, you know, sign another guy to an NBA contract. But I think with Bender, um, he fits kind of the profile of like, kind of that, like the second draft type guy that I find really interesting. And again, as someone who doesn't follow the draft super closely, I don't follow the G League super closely. I'm going to be biased towards guys that were hyped in the draft. And obviously Bender as a number four overall pick a few years ago kind of fits that bill. But look, I mean, he was a number four overall pick. It wasn't like just some ludicrous idea that the you know Suns were just idiotic about. <laughs> I mean, the Suns have made lots of dumb moves. Um, but Bender is, you know, he's 7-1. He's very mobile. You know, definitely has a high skill level offensively. Hasn't necessarily shot at a high, high level in the NBA. I think he's 32% career. Um, but certainly after his second year, I think a lot of people felt like he was probably coming along pretty nicely. And we're hoping that maybe last year would be, um, you know, a year where he kind of maybe not breaks out, but kind of establishes himself as a real solid NBA uh, rotation guy. And instead kind of just never found his footing with uh, Igor Kokoshkov and that new staff last year. And obviously, same could be said for, for a lot of guys in Phoenix. Uh, you know, they've just been a dumpster fire of of high draft picks. You know, when you look at some of the moves, whether it was Alex Len, who, I mean, we saw late in season. I mean, Alex Len, like, suddenly looks like he's actually a pretty interesting NBA player once he went to Atlanta. Um, and, you know, Josh Jackson, now the latest, um, you know, top five pick that uh, has uh, has been kind of just shipped out pretty unceremoniously. So 
Bender has unfortunately a lot of company in Phoenix as far as lottery picks that have washed out, but um, we'll see if uh, if maybe he can find his footing a little bit. And again, I would say, you know, looking at him again, like I don't think there's really a clear path to him getting any minutes. Like I think someone tweeted, like, are you, you know, am I worried about DJ Wilson losing minutes to Bender? No, um, I think Dragon Bender is going to have to be like, you know, either everyone's going to have to be, you know, in walking boots and on crutches for him to play or He's going to actually have to really impress them and actually do stuff. Um, in which case, great. <laughs> like that's, that's great. He's on a two year minimum deal, partially guaranteed this year. Uh, apparently we're hearing not guaranteed next year. You know, if he plays at all, it's either going to be because of bad injury issues or because he's actually earned it. So um, I don't, I don't have any kind of real concerns uh, in that regard. I don't think anybody's going to be gifting him minutes for sure. So, um, you know, again, as a guy who has some some offensive skill, uh, as a guy who's a mobile defender, if not, you know, obviously at this point, he's not some type of plus defender. But, hey, if, you know, any any coaching staff might be able to kind of figure out what to do with them, why not the Bucks, right? They've obviously got a great infrastructure now. And whether it's the training staff with Suki Hobson, whether it's, um, you know, the assistant coaches, the development work that this uh, this group has, you know, hopefully they, you know, maybe they unlock something, maybe they don't. Um, I would say hmm, 40% chance that he actually is on the roster at the end of the year, just because the reason you mentioned, you know, if they have to, if they have a buyout guy that they want to get, um, if they want to make trades, he's going to be an, an easy guy to throw in to kind of, or, or to cut loose just because of that partial guarantee with everyone else being guaranteed and everyone else kind of being much more obvious NBA rotation players plus, <laughs> plus the NASA's. So um, I, I would say the odds of him sticking in Milwaukee are not high, but you know, in the grand scheme of kind of chances you can take at the end of the roster, you know, again, positionally maybe doesn't make a ton of sense, but as far as like talent and just rolling the dice, this is definitely a move that, that I think is pretty interesting. I mean, I think this is like one of those spots where the, the NASA signing just like continues to look worse, right? Like mm-hmm. it, he's very clearly the 15th spot on your roster. And with the 15th spot of the roster, you would love to be able to cut that person and not have any, you know, adverse reactions, whether that's uh, needing to pay some guaranteed money, uh, whether that's the best, you know, the best player on your team being pissed off that you just cut his brother, like all of those things. So like that, I don't mean to rehash all of the things that we said when the Bucks initially opened up that can of worms, but hey, look at that. That can of worms you opened has worms in it. And there they all are. Like this is one of those things where it's just like you want to be able to have flexibility at the end of the roster uh, for a minimal dollar amount for all of these reasons. Like, it, So you don't have to... Like you can take a a shot on someone and if it doesn't work out, you can cut that person or you can cut some other person if it maybe is working out or you do have a little bit of hope and sign someone else to fill the need that you have because of an injury. Like that's kind of what we were talking about with, you know, how much that the NASA signing can hurt. And again, as I mean, just about every Bucks fan uh, who didn't like us criticizing the move, you know, kind of said like, oh, you know, maybe that's just how, you know, you have to do business with Giannis. Well, you know, maybe you don't have to do 
like you don't have to do that like that's why this can can be just a move that you know just kind of keeps compounding itself and you know being a mistake that can really hurt you um so that's why i just i i thought obviously it's good to see that you know you have some non-guaranteed money on the vendor deal uh and that will help out uh so you can let him go at some point but also your one fun lottery ticket guy that might be the guy that you have to cut so i, I don't know I, I think it'll be really interesting to watch i think it's you know, worth noting, obviously, as you already said, that uh, this was a guy that was a top five pick. Was he overdrafted in the 2016 MA draft? Probably. Clearly. <laughs> like, but that's not fair. Like, everyone gets overdrafted all the time, right? Like, there's there's shitty fit top five picks all over the league. Like, that's that's not something that's all that. Or you, I don't know. Like, I feel a little bit uncomfortable just saying, like, that's a, that's a drag on Bender, like, specific thing like it happens all the time so like he was overdrafted and you know that that pick obviously didn't work out um but as you mentioned he did play for the suns and i I can't think of a worse organization to play for um that it's just kind of a dumpster fire and uh, on top of that like he wasn't even playing at the start of the year like he, he didn't really start to play uh pretty much every night until midway through January and you know it's just kind of strange like asset management or all these other things like I understand you have a guy in DeAndre and who you're trying to get a bunch of minutes to but uh you know just to toss out a, a top five pick when you know you aren't any good um I don't know it's just uh it's just a weird thing to to, to kind of see. So we'll see. Maybe he can recoup, recoup some of that value here in Milwaukee. Maybe Bud and the staff can make something happen. Don't really know. We'll, we'll have to watch and, you know, kind of take a look and see what happens there. But for now, we can keep moving on the mailbag unless there are any other Bender thoughts you have. Uh, no. Move on. We have too many questions to spend more time on Dragon Bender, I think. <laughs> wow, you really have some more thoughts, huh? I wasn't ready for that. So many dragon bender thoughts. We got all of August though to, to, to hit those. <laughs> all right. Um, so w- this is pretty rare. Um, outside of Chris Middleton, I, I don't know that this has happened on a on an episode before. We have a section of que- questions literally named Bloodso. Uh, that's what we got here. Is just all Eric Bloodso questions. And just there's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of questions directly and indirectly shitting on Eric Bledsoe. <laughs> Pretty much, right? Like that. That's so. I mean, we'll start with this. Uh, there's two that are pretty much the the same question. The first one comes from at our lash on Twitter, uh, and the second one comes from at Mike Genre on Twitter. Is Eric Bledsoe going to finally show up in the postseason this year? Can the Bucks make it to the finals if he doesn't? For me, he's the critical piece. Mike asks, are the Bledsoe playoff struggles solved simply by better three-point shooting? And, I mean, if there was a simple fix to Eric Bledsoe's postseason struggles, I think Bud and his staff would have found a way to to fix it. Like, that's just... I I think you're, you're seeing that there is, in some ways, just a mental aspect to this game that makes it really tough, and then... On top of it, like Eric Bledsoe is just not a good three-point shooter, 
And I do wonder, you know, if there were different ways to try to get him involved against the Raptors other than sitting him in the corner. Like, we know how much he struggled as a catch-and-shoot guy. And watching him just sat in the corner with Pascal Siakam on him, I mean, you'd have to guess that that's not going to work. Like he, he's not a good catch and shoot three point shooter. He, he hasn't really spent a ton of time in the corner this entire season. And that was kind of what he was asked to do. You know, is there different ways to, to get him moving in the middle of the floor and give him a little bit of an advantage? Is there a way to run Pascal Siakam around some different things? Like, is there different ways to attack it than, than the way that the Bucks did? And I, I think certainly you could say that, that there probably would be some ways to do it, but, um, I don't know. Like, is he going to show up? I think at this point you would be a fool to bet on him doing so, right? Like he showed you two postseasons in a row that that level of scrutiny, that level of tough defense, uh, that level of game planning, all of that just might not be for him. Like he just might not be able to handle it. And, uh, you know, I, I think it, it's pretty tough to kind of say like, is it all – solved by better three-point shooting. And it's like, well, yeah, it is, but is that fair to expect of someone going into his, was it ninth NBA season? Um, Like, probably not, right? Like, it probably wouldn't be fair uh, to expect that out of Eric Bledsoe. So, I I don't know. I I think there's some game planning that needs to to happen for the Bucs to try to make things a little bit easier to make things a little bit better. Um, But... Overall, like I think this is this is pretty much Eric Bledsoe, right? Or am I am I missing something? Well, I mean, he's a 35 percent career three point shooter, and in the playoffs, like last year, twenty four percent. I mean, so clearly he's not that bad. He shouldn't be that bad. Uh, he was thirty two percent the year before. Um, so again, I mean, you know, does the do these last two? playoff samples, which again, as we always say, playoffs are inherently small sample sizes. Are those, you know, forever condemning him to be a historically terrible three-point shooter when it, you know, when the calendar flips to the playoffs? I mean, again, I don't know. I don't know why that is. Obviously, I think it has a lot more to do with kind of the psychological side of the game than anything else. Um, I mean, again, yeah, you'd rather have obviously... Eric Bledsoe would be a better shooter just in general. Um, but it's not like there's anything inherently like, you know, usually when you think about a lot of guys, you know, when you think about them, like not being able to be those 16 game players, it's oftentimes because they can't defend their position. That's not Eric Bledsoe's problem. I mean, Eric Bledsoe is the opposite of that defensively, right? Like he's a guy you'd say, man, I feel really good that, you know, every series you're going to have, you know, you're going to have somebody who can stick with an opposing team's like best sort of, you know, point guard perimeter scorer type guy um but with Bledsoe just the shooting and the lack of confidence offensively has just been kind of just so stark especially in that that Raptor series that um you know just they just haven't been able to overcome it so um so yeah I mean the the unfortunate reality is you know if you wanted to look at you know which players underperformed the most particularly against the Raptors um Bledsoe's the obvious guy I mean he he was you know, fringe all-star during the regular season. He was terrible against the Raptors. And, you know, if he's anywhere close to what he normally does, the Bucks are in the finals and maybe win an NBA championship. But that didn't happen. And um, obviously, 
you know, he's we're, we're going to be having these conversations, second guessing him, wondering if he's going to be the weak link that you know dooms the Bucks playoff and or championship ambitions, you know, pretty much until until next playoffs. Um, I, I, you mentioned some questions that are you know probably indirectly about uh, Eric Bledsoe included in this section, and Rob asked a question uh, at R M. Lumley on Twitter, um, which player on the Bucks needs to see the biggest improvement in order for the, the Bucks to win a championship? And um, I think I know your answer because you put this in their Bledsoe section, um, <laughs> which is is totally fair and totally fine. And um, I think I think you can definitely say that. I also think it is worth mentioning that you know. Giannis didn't play as well as he has throughout, you know, the the regular season, most like the postseason. Like he didn't play as well uh, during that Raptors series as he did in all those other moments. So uh, part of me wonders, you know, if Giannis can find a way to bring in a little bit more against the Raptors, if uh, he can find a way to improve his level. Maybe it's Giannis that you know, if he, you know, if you can see the biggest improvement out of him, then the Bucks can win a championship. Is that uh, unfair to Giannis? Yeah, probably. Um, is it unfair to keep expecting more and more out of him? Is it unfair to keep asking for him to bail the team out and to ultimately lead them to a championship? But uh, just as the question is asked, part of me kind of wants to say Giannis to be uh, maybe a bit of a contrarian, but I, I think ultimately you're probably right to put it in this section and say Bledsoe. I mean, at this point, if, if Giannis is not the best player in any playoff series, it's going to be a big disappointment, right? That's yeah. just where where the bar is. He's the MVP of, of the league, and you know he should only be getting better from here on out. And obviously um, the Raptors, but the way that they were able to defend him and send extra bodies at him, um, you know, they just never, Bucks never really got developed a, kind of a consistent answer. Giannis never figured out really a, a good answer for that. So, um, you know, that's the frustrating part. He can go off and win another regular season MVP this year. And um, we're going to continue to say like, well, okay, so awesome. This is really fun, but you know, it doesn't really, we, we really don't answer the questions that matter until, uh, until next April, May and June. And um, you know, that's going to be true for Bledsoe uh, to some extent going to be true for Giannis just with a much higher bar, right? It's not like Giannis was, was bad or something, but he just wasn't as good as, as you needed him to be in that playoff series. And, you know, same, you know, Middleton, I mean, Middleton obviously didn't score consistently at a high level in that series either. So, um, you know, again, like when you think about just the margin of errors in any of these playoff series, I mean, you know, I, I, I picked on Bledsoe, but certainly you could look at any of those guys and say, mm-hmm. if any of those guys have, you know, like a regular season average for them type series, the Bucks probably get to the finals, but um, all those guys underachieved, and obviously the Bucks ultimately did as well. Yeah, that that <laughs> that's a good uh, yeah. No, I, it's a good point, and I know after that series there were you know a number of Bucks fans, and I, I shouldn't say like it's like Bucks fans, and like when I would do radio hits, it would be people like oh you know like God, like if just Middleton was better, just Bledsoe was better, and like I you know kept trying to tell people I was like yeah I get it. But also, like, Giannis is the best player on the team, and he needs to be better. So uh, there really was no shortage of blame to kind of go around that any of those guys kind of playing to their regular season level kind of 
takes care of business, which obviously is really frustrating to look back on at this point, like really frustrating to, to know that that was the truth and obviously see the Raptors go and, and win the NBA finals at the end. Like that's, that's pretty tough stuff. So let's move it on, on to Kai Hedstrom at life of underscore Kai on Twitter with the caveat that this team will be a title contender. What do you see the largest remaining hole on the roster as in my opinion, we still lack a true lockdown wing defender. Chris is solid and Giannis, obviously defense player of the year material in a Roma role or a bench guard that can create their own shot. Um, man, uh, for me, it's kind of what we talked about last night. And obviously this is kind of what I went through in like our, the rotation exercise that I did at the athletic where I tried to put together night one uh, opening night, like, rotation for the Bucks. I I just think there's a, a bunch of nice rotation pieces, but I just think you, you, that that top end talent that left when Malcolm Brogdon left is is not there. Like so for me I I keep kind of coming back to there's something more with the top end talent that you know, whether you think that means an upgrade at point guard and that means you move Eric Bledsoe for a better shooting, like whatever it may mean, like there's just, I think in those kind of point guard shooting guard spots, a little bit more left to be desired. And um, that to me is kind of what the largest remaining hole is. And like, it's tough to say that it's a hole because it's not that it's not filled. It's just not filled well enough. If that makes any sense. Like you, 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 you just don't have that top-level talent. I mean, you, you didn't replace Brogdon's ability to, you know, attack a closeout, be a second-side creator, um, be a guy that creates shots from a second unit without Chris and Giannis being focal points, right? I mean, that's the obvious thing you didn't replace. Yeah. And even with Brogdon last year in this, that, that Eastern Conference Finals, you felt like the Bucks just didn't, like they needed one more guy who could just pull up uh, for three and just bury shots in people's faces, right? Um, so, again, obviously, you know, yeah, hey, Bradley Beal would be great, but, you know, in the kind of more realistic <laughs> scale of guys that you could potentially acquire without needing to, you know, give up the next decade of, of draft picks, um, yeah, I mean, I would say some kind of, like, point guard who can get his own shot a little bit, right? Um, that would probably be the main thing I'd say, but uh, obviously with the Bender move, the Bucks obviously decided kind of to go away from that. We'll see if that's something that maybe they have to return to at some point during the season. All right, let's move on to Ben Westra at B West MKE on Twitter. Biggest area of concern for next year's team? I think we kind of answered that there. Anything else you'd want to throw in there, or uh, do, you, do you feel good that uh, I guess I technically should have just slid that into our last response? I can move on to uh, Brian Owens, who said, who asked, uh, at Owens11B on Twitter, do you foresee any issues with shots or minutes for guys? Really good depth and finding enough shots or minutes for guys might be hard to come by for some, or can they work around that? And I guess, Brian, I would say that's a really good question. Um, as I mentioned, I wrote at The Athletic uh, this article about, hey, these are what mock rotations might look like on opening night, and I put Dante in for 20 minutes, and my mentions were full of people like, how are you going to go Dante over Pat or 
over Sterling or, you know, how are those guys not in the rotation and Dante is? And it's just like, well, no matter who you choose, if, if you want to say Pat Connaughton's the guy, well, then Sterling Brown's on the outside looking in. And if you want to say Sterling Brown's the guy, then Pat's on the outside looking in. And in those two scenarios, Dante DiVincenzo's on, also on the outside looking in. And at, to me, that's where the, the potential problem could be. Um, where you just don't have any guys that really separate themselves and I, I think are going to be able to show, like, I'm obviously the person that should get these minutes. Like, I think that's going to be really difficult. Last year, they worked around that. Bud kind of shuffled guys in and out of rotations. He was kind of able to work that, I mean, I think pretty masterfully, um, where, and again, injuries helped out as well. Uh, so it it kind of worked out where everyone got to contribute and, at different times, at different points in the season, they could be the man or some version of the man or just some version of a man getting minutes. Uh, so it all ended up kind of working out. But, you know, if some of those guys stay healthy, Bud's going to have some really tough decisions to make on on a night-by-night basis. And and that can be that can be tough for a lot of guys. And I haven't even mentioned DJ Wilson. Like, in the, in the actions that I did, DJ Wilson was on the outside looking in as well. And... You know, you look at them siding Robin Lopez, and then you have Giannis and Brooke already taking up a bunch of minutes. You have Arsenio Yusova in the mix as well. Like, that's why at the end of last night's episode, I mentioned the idea, like, hey, maybe the Bucks want to combine some of those guys together and, and make a trade. And part of the reason is, I don't want to say downgrade, downgrading the very end of the roster, but finding some upgrade there that makes it obvious that that person deserves minutes could take away some of that awkwardness. But I think without it, some of that awkwardness is going to have to exist. Yeah, I mean, uh, between Pat, Dante, and Sterling, it's like pick two, and those two might be out of the rotation like at any given time, not not in. Um, so it's not just an odd man out. Of, I mean, I think you're going to have odd men out when the Bucks are healthy. Um, you know, Dante is interesting because, I mean, unfortunately, you know, Dante's been out since, like, March, and there... It, it sounded like the Bucks, John Horse, I think, made it seem like he could have played in Vegas. But, I mean, if he could play, you, you would have thought he probably would be an obvious guy to, to send to Vegas. Um, so you're saying it's not Dante right now. It's secret Dante. Dante. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, um, <laughs> I don't know if anybody has seen Dante uh, playing basketball anytime recently. We, I, I believe, um, in the chronicles of hashtag Secret Dante, uh, he <laughs> recorded, I think, some like you know little selfie videos congratulating Giannis at the, uh, I think, at the MVP event, and then at, from Chris Middleton had his uh, um, high school jersey retired uh, a couple weeks back. I believe I saw in the Bucks when they Bucks, Bucks posted videos of that of various teammates. I think Dante was included in both of those. Um, but that was literally just his head. So, I mean, he could have been in a walking boot and I, and I wouldn't have been able to yeah. tell. So, um, yeah, if anybody has, has seen uh, Dante DiVincenzo like running around and doing things that look like, you know, anything like what an NBA player should be able to do, um, please send them our way. We, we, I mean, I'm concerned. I, I, you know, I actually, as much as I was not really a fan of that pick, um, you know, I thought we saw interesting things from him last year, and if he could start to knock down threes with any consistency, then I think he becomes really interesting. But, um, 
you know, again, like a guy who obviously his athleticism and quickness are important to his game. And for him to have these like, you know, repetitive like foot and heel injuries, it's definitely worrying. And I mean, you know, I, I'm, I don't have him in my opening night rotation just because he's the only guy who I don't really even know is when is this guy going to be playing basketball, right? I mean, I think there was talk about him even playing for Italy in the FIBA World Cup. Um, and I can't imagine that's going to happen. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's unfortunately like Dante's probably the biggest question injury wise, whereas everybody else, you know, again, knock on wood is, is seemingly, uh, okay. Um, but you know, even so, I think, uh, you know, unless the Bucks have like a rash of injuries, um, they're definitely gonna have, I think guys who feel like they should be playing, just, just not playing. I mean, Pat Connaughton, just called up, got called up to the damn USA select team for Team USA, which again is not the like real team. Um, it's just like the team that scrimmages against the the FIBA World Cup team, which um, seems like will feature Chris Middleton and quite possibly Brooke Lopez as well. Um, but you know, it's it's probably says a lot both about Team USA and how few guys are willing to play for them this year that Pat is uh, is has made the select team. But, you know, shout out to Pat for that. He obviously, I think, did a lot of nice things last year. And then the flip side is it says a lot about the Bucks that Pat Connaughton, like, really doesn't have any guarantee on, on minutes this year after, you know, a really nice season last year. So, um, so yeah, I think it's, uh, it's definitely a, a, a good problem to have in the grand scheme of things. So I think, again, it was a credit to the way Bud managed his roster, his whole roster last year. He managed his depth really well, kept guys motivated and, you know, ready to play. And I think, you know, again... It's a good problem to have, um, and I think again, you just hope that uh, that Bud is able to do the same thing this year because he's he will definitely have a lot of guys who who did probably deserve to play on any given night, and he's gonna have to make some tough choices probably. At Danny Klinsman asks, how do we match up with the 76ers? We answered that in the first part of the podcast. Should have caught that yesterday. Sorry about that, Danny. But if you want to hear our response, go back to it, um, and you can catch it there. I want to go to. I think we have like uh, two or. three. Uh, like three or four more questions about the young guys on the roster. They're all pretty similar. I'm going to try to kind of group them together and we can kind of knock those out. First one is from at Kellen underscore Jonathan, who asks the Bucks have had a lot of veteran depth. Where does that leave DJ Sterling and Dante for each? Do you see them as a future playoff rotation guy, trade bait or roster filler? Dylan Piccolo at DP underscore hoops says, how do you expect Boonholzer to implement the young guys during the regular season with the recent additions of veterans at their positions? Uh, Kai asks, any thoughts on if there will be any pressure early or in the season to showcase younger guys to should an enticing trade target become available at the deadline? And Mike underscore Lamont asks, is Sterling Brown still on the team after the trade deadline? So, I mean, I think those, those questions from Kellen, Dylan, Kai, and Mike all kind of get at, I mean, pretty much the the same idea. And, you know, as far as how Bud strikes a balance and, you know, like who gets minutes and all those different things, I, I mean, I think it's it's pretty delicate because if you want to put together a package at some point, I mean, I think you need to have – youngish pieces that are going to mean something like you can't obviously you can just trade the first round pick that you got uh and throw some players in there or some salary in there in the form of like Ursani Lee Silva and you know hopefully get something but also you probably want to have a couple young guys that might be interesting 
uh, for another team to pick up. And, well, if those guys aren't playing, then they don't have a ton of value. And they're just throw-ins rather than something that actually adds value. And uh, I think that's really where this becomes difficult because you look at all of these young guys and having veterans is great, but veterans are obviously older and veterans are also probably not someone that you can lock up for multiple years going forward. So if you, you kind of give up on, I don't want to say give up, but if you prioritize the veterans over the younger guys, those younger guys are going to have some, they have some of their options coming up here at the end of the year. Why would they want to sign back with you? Why would they want to return to a place that, you know, they weren't prioritized. They weren't given an opportunity. And, you know, some of those veterans might also be leaving. Uh, and then all of a sudden you're in a spot where you're gonna have to refine some veterans, which is at, you know, at, in some ways, the life cycle of being a, a contender is that you're going to have to always replenish the veterans and always find these guys. And, you know, if Giannis is around and Bud is around, and you're still winning games. I, I think as we saw this summer, that could be a little bit easier. Uh, but it is a question that has to be there about how you manage those guys and how you, you kind of manage to put them in spots to succeed or spots to showcase the fact that they might have some value that could be attractive to, to someone trading for them. Yeah. I, I mean, the I guess the upside of like take Sterling for instance. He's in the last year of his um, the the deal he signed as a rookie second round pick, uh, the three year contract. So he's going to be a restricted free agent next summer. Um, I mean, it's interesting with Sterling. I mean, he he only played a little bit more last year than he did as a rookie. He played a little over nine hundred minutes last year. He played uh, seven hundred um, in his rookie season. I mean, to put that in perspective. Dragon Bender played 2,000 minutes in his second season, <laughs> and then he saw a major drop off last year. But um, but it, it kind of puts in perspective, you know, with, with Sterling. It felt like you know he was a much bigger part of the rotation to me, like mentally. I think of him as like, oh yeah, Sterling was like a part of the rotation like consistently. But early in the season, he wasn't right. He he really was kind of on the fringes for I don't know like a month plus. It felt like, and then. He kind of got back into it, and then he had some injuries. Um, and really, over the last month, especially when a lot, a lot of guys were resting, he kind of, I think, had some very nice moments. But certainly, in some games where it was you know, not a full strength Bucks team um, that we were seeing, so um, so it's a it's a big season for especially for Sterling. Um, you know, DJ will presumably see them pick up his fourth year team option here um, before the season starts. So he'll be you know essentially has two years left before he becomes a restricted free agent. Dante has three years left. Um, so less kind of maybe urgency there, although I'm sure those guys obviously want to play. Um, but with Sterling, it's interesting. I mean, if he doesn't play much, um, would he agitate, you know, Thon Maker style for a change of scenery? I don't know. Um, or the flip side is like, that also probably depresses his value as far as free agency goes as well. So, and again, sometimes you hear uh, agents and players kind of complain that, you know, they're being hidden or whatever it might be. Um, Again, I don't think the Bucks and Bud are going to like consciously hide Sterling this year just so they can get him on the cheap. Um, but by the same token, I don't think there's anything guaranteed about him being good enough to beat out all those guys consistently every night for for minutes. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if he has another season where even if he's relatively healthy, he plays. You know, maybe he gets 18 minutes a game, but he only plays 50 games like he did last year um, because of you know again just kind of being in and out of the rotation. Um, 
I think it's probably a similar story for DJ as far as his opportunity his opportunities go. What's if if you had to pick um, between those three guys, like how would you order it? Like what what do you what would you project in terms of total minutes played? If you had to order DJ Dante and Sterling, who would you guess plays the most minutes versus the fewest this year? So the tough part with this is I don't get to assume health. Um, like I just. I have one season of watching Dante DiVincenzo, and I don't know how healthy he can be. Um, if I knew that, I would say I would put him at the top of the list. I think um, with no clear shooting guard, uh, and again, that that's probably a little bit offensive to Wes and Matthew Jr. So I, I will admit that, and you know maybe he is the the clear option. But I do think they want to try to limit his minutes this year and and not try to overwork him. I think there'd be a ton of great opportunity for Dante DiVincenzo. I think he would, you know, have a great chance to go out there, especially with some of the creativity he's shown off the dribble and, you know, being on the second side, like that's someone that can really help out the, some of the bench units and then help out with some of the staggering. Like I I think he would fit in the most. So I want to put him first on my list for as far as who gets the most minutes, but I, there is the secret aspect of all of this. Like I have to, I, I don't know enough about his health. Like I don't know if he's going to be fine. So it kind of puts you in, in a tough position to say it'd be him after that. I think it's, Oh my God. It, that's really tough. Um, I mean, I think probably Sterling Brown and DJ Wilson last, but it's just so tough to see, their avenues, I guess Sterling Brown, maybe it's not as tough. Like there is obviously the possibility that some of those people get injured that are in the, you know, kind of group of shooting guards and you can get some, some clear opportunity. I just think it's really hard for DJ to, to find a ton of opportunity on this roster. Like when you, when you look through all of these, all of those bigs, like I don't know where it comes from. Like, I don't know how he fits in and, how they're actually going to get him minutes. So I guess I'm going to go Dante Sterling DJ, um, but that's the best I got. What do you, which way do you think it goes? I don't know. That's why kind of why Steve Von Horn you with that question. Um, <laughs> I would say I'm very concerned about Dante and just his durability and the injury he's coming off of and just the lack of transparency um, just kind of worries me, uh, especially with just sort of lack of indication that he's really even able to be doing stuff right now and again hopefully um some of uh, our friends at the bucks hear my complaints and you know tweet us some videos or something of dante doing stuff tomorrow <laughs> but um you know absent kind of any real evidence that he's back on track and and back to close to 100 percent um i don't know because that's the thing i mean if, if he is limited and you know misses training camp or can't kind of participate full bore in training camp that's that's really tough to kind of catch up from, um, especially as a young player when you've got all these veterans you're competing with and who um, who are pretty well established. So, um, so I might say Dante last just because I could totally see this being kind of a lost season injury wise. Um, and again, maybe I'm just sort of overreacting to the lack of information out there. But um, you know, just we just didn't see much from him last year due to all those injuries. And I think otherwise. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, last year, actually, Sterling played 1,000 minutes last year. Uh, DJ just a shade under 900. Um, 
I don't know. It's tough to say. I mean, the thing is, DJ is really only blocked by one guy, you know, like, and, and it's possible mm-hmm. that you could play both Ursan and um, DJ, especially if you kind of use Giannis and kind of those small forward and jumbo lineups, which we saw uh, somewhat last year at from time to time. I think Cleaning Glass had Giannis at small forward like 11% of the time, but they were like awesome when he was at small forward. I think like they're like plus 20 net rating with Giannis at the three. So we'll see kind of if that's something that, you know, maybe helps DJ get maybe a little more, more opportunity than we expected. But um, I mean, I think they're only one injury away from DJ playing every night uh, up front mm-hmm. um, versus I think Sterling and, and really all those guys, um, you know, it's very possible they could be two injuries away from, from, from seeing minutes just because there's so much depth um, uh, on the wing. So um so yeah, so I'll, I mean, maybe I'll be the contrarian and say DJ one, Sterling two, and Dante three, which I think just underscores how little certainty there is for any of those guys. All right, I think that's where we're going to stop for the night. Um, we are still <laughs> not at all close to the end of this thing, so uh, we will have plenty of mailbag left for you next week. That'll be. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I, I have no idea what days it'll end up being, but we will have some more mailbag for you then. Uh, hopefully the Bucks don't make some sort of roster move. That means we got to you know, use the first 15 minutes of the mailbag on that like they did to us today. I, that seems impossible, but you know, at this point, I don't know. Who knows? Uh, I keep thinking the, the Bucks offseason or notable Bucks offseason moves are done, but we haven't gotten there yet. So we'll, uh, we'll see what happens there. So it's possible. It's possible, Eric, that um, again, you're not a Game of Thrones fan, but it's possible that George R. R. Martin finishes his next book in the Game of Thrones series, the uh, Song of Ice and Fire series, before we finish this mailbag. <laughs> it is that voluminous. Uh, our our uh, our list of questions. Which again, thank you to everyone for uh, for sending all these questions in. And again, it's it's fun. It's a good time of the year to uh, to be kind of looking prospectively at what's to come and, and taking that step back. So. We have no shortage of, uh, of great questions coming in, and I uh, always appreciate it. And we will hopefully get through all these um, before uh, before training camp. Fingers crossed. I'm not sure we'll get it done, but that's our hope. So shout out to all of you for listening. Have a great weekend. Um, you know, nice summer weekend. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. So with that being said, we are done for this week. We will talk to you again next week. For Frank Men, American Name, the Spend Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you next week.